You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing how you can make a difference by diagnosing early stage oral cancer. Our guest is Dr. Robert Convasar, an expert in the field of oral cancer detection and biopsy techniques. He has written numerous publications, lectured internationally, and taught hundreds of dentists how to examine patients for oral cancer and how to perform biopsies of suspected lesions. Dr. Conversar practices laser, cosmetic, and restorative dentistry in New York City and also serves as director of laser dentistry at the New York Hospital Medical Center of Queens. Dr. Conversar, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you. So we are talking about a very important subject. I wish more GPs in our profession were more aware of the importance of diagnosing early stage oral cancer. So you're going to help us or at least enlighten us on this topic today. Um, Absolutely. Good. We're looking forward to it. So let's begin with a, a simple question. What are the statistics on oral cancer deaths in the U.S.? Well, I'm going to answer your question by asking you a question. What time did you get up this morning? I got up uh, central time around 6.30 a.m. About 6.30 a.m. And what time is it now where you are? Five after five central time. Okay. So you've been up about 11 hours. Correct. Okay. How many people in the United States have died of oral cancer since you got up this morning? The answer is 11. One person every hour of every day dies of oral cancer in the United States. That's frightening. That's a big, big number. There are over 40,000 cases of oral cancer diagnosed in the United States every year. And the big problem is that, first of all, there are over 8,000 deaths a year, and that number is not going down. Unfortunately, that number is going up. But we're seeing more cases of oral cancer than ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, pancreatic cancer, and so many other types of cancer. It's really a big, big problem. And as dentists, it's our prerogative to do a good, competent oral cancer exam. The problem is that we may not be taught how to do it in school, or we'll leave it to the oral surgeons, or unfortunately, we may put our hand in the, head in the sand and not want to talk about cancer. And that's a big mistake because, once again, one person every hour of every day dies of oral cancer. So Let the statistics you. are yeah, quite frightening. It is frightening. That's a very large number. So with all the advancements in medicine, my question is, is to you, why is that? And why is that cancer, why is oral cancer specifically not being reduced like other cancers? Why is it going, getting worse? Well, you can thank HPV, human papillomavirus. Uh, the statistics have shown that there's been a 60% increase of oral cancer in adults under the age of 40. And a great deal of these cancers are not the usual type of oral cancers, which means it's not due to smoking and drinking. A great deal of these cases are due to the prevalence of HPV, human papillomavirus. And as you know, human papillomavirus has been implicated in cervical cancer, and we have the Gardasil vaccine against cervical cancer. And we've got a very large uptick in oral cancer as a result of how prevalent HPV is in the general population. How how can a dental care provider make a difference in this whole environment? Oh, simple answer to that. Very, very simple answer. There are technologies that we have that are very inexpensive, 
where we can learn to do an oral cancer examination quickly, easily, non-invasively. The medical profession and the dental profession have been using optical fluorescence for many years, whether you have something like uh, a cavity detection system, which works on fluorescence, or there are plenty of other devices. Well, there are plenty of oral cancer detection devices that can be used to detect these cancers before they can be visually seen without any fluorescence. For example, if I'm going to do an exam on a new patient and I just have my loops and my headlamp on, I could miss things. But once I take one of these fluorescence devices and take a good look, I may see stage one oral cancer or stage two oral cancer that I would otherwise have missed. And if we get to a stage one or stage two oral cancer diagnosis, the five-year survival rate can be 80 to 90%. Whereas if we get to a stage four oral cancer, the survival rate is less than 50-50. So early detection, early diagnosis is critical. Getting a device that allows you to observe these cancers before you can notice them visually otherwise is a great, great thing. One of the devices that we have, and there are many on the market, is a device called Gockles, which is basically a pair of uh, glasses that filter out certain wavelengths of light. And you can use your curing light and these Gockles, and you can potentially see stage one and stage two lesions that you would have missed without them. So it's a great, great device. Everybody should have it. It's not prohibitively expensive. And you can get paid for doing this. And that's something that dentists always worry about. What's my return on investment for this technology? Right, right. How am I going to get money doing this? So let me ask you this. So what? explain to us what part of the dental visit the patient comes to the practice for the first time. And let's say you're using goggles. Can you walk us through an experience very briefly in, in a minute and a half? And then we'll go to the next question. Okay. So new patient comes in for the exam or even a recall patient. They sit in the chair, the hygienist does her magic. I come in, I do the examination, and I do a comprehensive oral cancer examination. I have a piece of gauze. I will take the gauze, wrap the gauze around the patient's tongue, and extend the tongue as far out as I can because one of the areas that is prone to squamous cell carcinoma is the lateral border of the tongue. So I make sure I get the tongue extended out of the mouth as far as possible, look on the lateral borders of the tongue, look towards the rear of the mouth, Having a pharyngeal mirror is a great idea. A pharyngeal mirror is nothing more than a regular dental mirror with a very long handle, so you can get to the back of the throat, mm -hmm. and you can see these sure. things. Sure. You put on the cockles, you have your curing light, and then you do another examination. It takes no time at all. Simple, easy, non-invasive, and the patient thinks you're just using a fancy flashlight in their mouth, and they don't feel uncomfortable they don't feel nervous. It's just part of a routine, normal examination. So a pair of goggles, it's like glasses, right? It's like putting on a, a pair of glasses, correct? It's like similar to putting on glasses that you might use when you're using a curing light, or I use lasers in my practice. So it's like putting on a pair of glasses uh, to prevent you from having any laser eye injury. Just it, a pair of glasses that filters certain wavelengths to allow you to see things better. That's all it is, just a pair of glasses. Okay, and what do you see when you see a lesion that's in stage one with goggles on? All tissue absorbs a certain amount of light and reflects a certain amount of light. 
the light that is reflected is the color that you see. So if I'm looking at something that's red, it means that that lesion is absorbing all of the colors of the electromagnetic spectrum, the visible part of the spectrum that we could see, except for red. It's reflecting the red back at me. Mm -hmm. So because all tissues fluoresce differently, they absorb a little different amount of uh, light. They reflect a different amount of light. When you put on the goggles, it filters out different wavelengths, and it allows you to see lesions, not necessarily that are cancer, but lesions that may be suspicious, lesions that might have a higher mitotic rate, and they stand out as being colored differently. Are you going to see a, a dark spot when you're looking through goggles? Yeah. What you'll see is, depending on the device you use, depending on your curing light, depending on a whole bunch of things, you may see everything in green in the patient's mouth. It may look like Kermit the Frog's in there. It may look nice and green. And then, if there's something that's suspicious, it'll fluoresce. It'll look a dark brown. It'll mm -hmm. stand out. It'll be a very, very different color. And once again, I have to emphasize, that doesn't mean it's cancer. That just means it's something suspicious, something that we need to evaluate, something that we need to either refer to an oral surgeon for a biopsy, or we can biopsy ourselves. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you. So what uh, determines whether or not the general practitioner or the, whoever the dental provider, care provider is, what determines that they do the biopsy themselves, or they say to the patient that they that person should be referred out to an oral surgeon. And how do you do that in a way where you don't scare the patient? Do you tell them that you don't think there's really anything to worry about? What's your approach? Well, uh, simple. 90 plus percent of the lesions that we general practitioners see are benign. Those are the facts. Those are the statistics. So if I see something and I choose not to biopsy it, I'll just say to the patient very gently, you know, there's something there. And it doesn't really look like it belongs there, and it should be evaluated. Now, I want to reassure you that over 90% of what I see as a general practitioner is benign. So I'm not worried about it, but it shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And why don't we have a professional do a fast biopsy, take a look at it, make sure it's okay, and we can all breathe easily. And just reassure them, once again, the odds are that it's okay, but let's get it evaluated just to make sure. General practitioners have this fear of spreading cancer and making things worse. And that's not anything we have to worry about. There are four possible outcomes from a biopsy. Number one, it's benign and the margins are clear. You got it all. Well, congratulations. You're not done. What's the next step? Recall the patient periodically to make sure it doesn't recur. Possibility number two, it's benign and you didn't get it all. What are you going to do? Recall the patient periodically and see what happens with it. It's malignant and you got it all. Well, congratulations. What's the next step? Patient goes to an oral maxillofacial surgeon or a head and neck surgeon, even, even if the margins are clear. Mm -hmm. It's malignant and you didn't get it all. What happens? Patient goes to a head and neck surgeon. So no matter what, there's a protocol to follow. And dentists should not be afraid of performing biopsies. It's a simple, easy procedure to do. You do a biopsy with a laser, with a scalpel, with a, a pair of ivy scissors, whatever you want to use. It's a two-minute procedure. It has practically no morbidity attached to it. 
Patients aren't going to bleed. Patients are, going to, are not going to have any problems. And of course, if you do it with a laser or other high-tech devices, there's no bleeding. There's no need for stitches. There's no need for any of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a piece of cake, actually, with a laser. Oh, that was very well explained, and I love the approach, uh, the way you describe to the patient what's going on, that there's, you're not particularly worried, but it shouldn't be there, and there is some follow-up to be done, and, and that's an excellent approach. You've been practicing for a while in, in New York. Give us a ballpark number of how many cases came back malignant. In almost 40 years of practice, I've found a half a dozen malignancies. And you probably saved those patients' lives. I like to think so. Uh, I, I believe so. Uh, some of them were relatively slow growing that would never have caused the patient death, but some of them have been a little bit more aggressive, but we caught them early, and thank goodness the patient has been fine. So a half a dozen in 40 years from a guy that really knows what the, what he's doing, because you're an expert in this, but when we started the call, it was a death every hour. So it seems to me that it, there would be more than that that were malignant, because you're doing these exams regularly well if you're doing exams regularly and you have a patient population that is not a smoking and drinking population remember oral cancer isn't necessarily associated with smoking it's not necessarily associated with drinking it's associated with smoking and drinking together mm -hmm. and if you have a population that isn't sexually active with multiple partners where HPV is spreading like wildfire, then your incidence of oral cancer in that particular practice isn't going to be great. But then you take a look at other practices that are in other socioeconomic situations where you have patients that are heavy smokers and drinkers, and their statistics of oral cancer diagnosis is going to be significantly higher. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. So to wrap, this has been a great podcast, by the way, Dr. Commissar. It's fantastic information, very well presented, uh, and it's impactful, very impactful. Let me ask you this Thank last you. question before we wrap it up. How do insurance companies reimburse for oral cancer screening? Now, this is something that dentists are not aware of. There has been an ADA code for this for years maybe a half a dozen years, I'm not sure how long, but it's, I've been using it for many, many years. It's D0431, and I use it on all of my patients, on all of my in, uh, insurance forms 100% of the time. I'll say it again, D like David, 0431. It's an ADA CDT code. Now, the fact that we have a code doesn't mean that insurance companies will pay for it. I'll give you my experience here in New York City where we have a whole slew of insurance companies. MetLife, which is a big carrier in this area, will pay up to $150 every two years on patients 40 years of age and over to do an oral cancer screening with one of these devices, such as the Gockles. Mm -hmm. Connecticut General will pay up to $150 patients 40 years of age and above every two years and on and on. It doesn't mean that every MetLife policy will pay for it. It doesn't mean that every Connecticut General policy will pay for it. My experience with Delta Dental, which is a big national uh, insurance company, Delta Dental generally doesn't pay for it. Mm -hmm. But at least some companies will. And you always give the patient the choice. And you phrase it in such a way that the patient understands. Virtually every woman goes for a mammogram and sonogram. 
Many men are going for PSAs for prostate health. People over 40 or over 50, depending on their family history, are going for colonoscopies. So there are so many things that patients do to proactively get evaluated to possibly find a cancer before it is too late. And we have this wonderful device that some insurance companies will pay for. And the fee for doing this is a very reasonable fee. And you present it to them. Is everybody going to say yes to this? No, but enough of them will that you could save a life. And there's no better feeling in the world than saving a life. And just one more thing. Uh, One of the more famous cases of oral cancer, of course, is Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Douglas admitted that uh, he had unprotected uh, sex with a Manhattan prostitute. As a result, he ended up with oral pharyngeal cancer, and he's been very upfront about it. And he has made a PSA, a public service announcement for the Oral Cancer Foundation. And you can Google it. You can find it online you can find it through youtube and it's just a very powerful thing and it just talks about hi i'm michael douglas people don't know much about oral cancer please go to your physician or dentist and have an oral cancer screening and it's just a wonderful powerful little public service announcement that every dentist should be playing in their waiting rooms or in their hygiene rooms for every patient so that they understand how serious this is Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I'm not sure why many dentists don't do these exams. I don't know if they feel like it's out of their wheelhouse. They don't have the training in dental school. But the bottom line is there are a ton of CE courses where people can learn this. Uh, some of the manufacturers of these devices have CE courses. Uh, I give CE courses on this all over the, the country and all over the world. So there are plenty of places to mm-hmm. to learn, number one, how to detect oral cancer, Number two, how to have the verbal skills to discuss this with a patient, which is critically important. Mm -hmm. And number three, how to do a biopsy simply, easily, quickly, atraumatically, and to the relief of the patient. Right. You know, verbal skills are very, very important in dentistry. And if you say things the wrong way, you're going to frighten the patient. The patient may put their head in the sand and things will only get worse. Right. If yeah. you learn the correct verbal skills to talk to a patient calmly and say, look, I've got five minutes. Why don't we do the biopsy right now? It'll take five minutes or less. You can go back to work. You don't need any stitches. You'll be absolutely fine. How about if we do it right now? Most people will say yes. You just have to learn how to talk to the patient and then how to do the procedure simply and easily. And right. that's one of the things that that I've been teaching for, for decades. Yeah, no, it's excellent stuff. You, you have an air of confidence, Dr. Conversar, without a doubt. So if I was sitting in your chair and I'm a retired endodontist, I would feel very comfortable having you do the biopsy based, just based on your way and the way you present your treatment plan and so forth. Uh, I'm all in for that. Early, early detection is so important, and I'm very happy that you're doing what you're doing, and it's a great thing for our profession to have more doctors like you teaching this to other doctors that are not utilizing these tools. Um, hope to have you on again soon, and again, thanks very much, Dr. Conversar, for your insight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.